So in the reading corner today, it's my pleasure to welcome Finbar Hawkins, who is creative director for Ardman Animations and a writer. His debut children's novel or young adult novel uh, titled Simply Witch will be published in October 2020. The story is set during the English Civil War when Matthew Hopkins, the Witchfinder General, was terrorising the country, seeking out witches for trial, torture and murder. Um, welcome, Finbar. Hello. <laughs> uh, what an emotional read, uh, which mm -hmm. was both thrilling and full of jeopardy, but deeply moving as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm drawn to uh, ask you why you connected with this particular period in history. What drew me to it was originally the Pendlewood witch trials. In fact, my mum had always kind of talked to me about, you know, how impactful that moment in history was. And, um, you know, it would be something to, interesting one day to to write about and when I was involved in my MA at Bath Spa the brief was really you know write something with an historical setting and you know my mum's kind of refrain about looking at that area kind of came back to me and you know we live in Wiltshire in a beautiful part of the world and I kind of knew that you know I wanted to kind of set something around then and as I was thinking about it thinking well if you were a teenager and you've grown up in an environment where all you knew was the a witching way with um, the family and the kind of the cast you'd grown up with, and suddenly something would come along and completely uh, destroy that way of thinking that 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 setup. What that would mean? How would you deal with it? Um, and it, it it ran from there. And in the sense that witchfinders existed, there was a particular hysterical time during 1640s where persecution of the witch cast came back. Um, and it led from that really it led from a voice and wanting to think put myself into the shoes of of a young girl who you know had had this magical kind of witching way upbringing but also um, was a young girl was a teenager having to deal with life and everything that it threw at her mm. let's talk about your young witch she's called Evelyn or Evelyn Evie um, and she lives with her mother and sister her sister's mm -hmm. called dill mm -hmm. and evie doesn't want to be a witch does she 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 reacts against this way of life yes yes tell us a bit about evie evie yes so she's 15 and um she's kind of kind of quite uh, a possessive slightly jealous uh, personality uh, certainly jealous of her sister younger sister who she perceives in evie's eyes um, her younger sister Dill, who's about nine, has always, you know, kind of had it easy. Has always been, you know, her mother's favourite. And Evie thinks, well, you know, you know, I'm not constantly going for chores and being told what to do. And you know, she's a she's a teenager. She's um, she's pushing it like she wants a difference. She's grown up in that situation, but she also wants to do find her own way. It isn't necessarily a witching way. Mm. So it's very important for me that that was the case. That this is. You know, all of these feelings that come flooding at you when you're that age group you have to be recognised the things that you're having to deal with from day to day. Mm. And especially when you're a, a sibling, um, because you're bouncing off them all the time. That was my sense of Evie, that she's full of this kind of frustration, but she's also very driven, um, but also has very kind of, you know, a slightly possessive, jealous nature. And that's was about 
how she how she deals with that in herself how she how she mm. grows up really because it has to be said although this is a historical story it's very character driven mm. more so than plot driven and it is about uh, Evie coming to find herself as perhaps mm -hmm. we'll discover a little bit uh, later as, as we t move on into the story mm -hmm. but let's start at the beginning um, because the the beginning is really quite shocking the inciting incident certainly yes. well Evie is the uh, family is set upon by a pack of witch hunters and her mother tells her to get for her and Dill to go she tells Evie to you know, to look to Dill to look after her also gives Dill an, an item which is a kind of precious to both of them, which is a, a scrying stone, which, you know, Evie's kind of cross about. Um, but she hasn't got time to think. She's got to get away. And they run to the woods. And as Dill is fighting to get back because they're hurting um, their mother, um, she's killed. She's killed by, the, by this pack. And you know, the two girls are distraught. Um, but have to run for their lives. And that's, that's the beginning of the story. But it's also in that beginning, Evie is full of rage and full of desire for revenge. And she's promised her mother that she'll look, look to Dill, look after her younger sister. But there's also she's completely consumed by revenge. And that drives the story. Yeah. Yeah. So a scrying stone, is that like a hagstone or are they different things? Um, yes, I think it kind of, I didn't want to be too kind of explicit about it in one sense, because it's about an object which meant something to them. And I want readers to be able to attach their own thoughts and stories to it. So I wrote a lot of backstory behind it, things that didn't really eventually make it into the final book, but about that and how the stone is handed on through through families and how it can be used and you know the importance of it and all that kind of stuff but they eventually wanted it to really to be inferred by the, by the reader and they to find their own way but it's a very it's an important item that that is used within within spells oh, i have to ask you have you got one on your desk i do of course i do <laughs> it's a black one i found that um sits in your palm of your hand very neatly um there's something about you know that they're kind of the the fact that you turn something like that all the time and, and you're sort of picking it up and moving it around it, you know, and it, it um, became important, really, that the stone is about connection to nature. Um, and that's, that was a big, big part of this book, is that um, a witch lives in constant connection with the land and, mm -hmm. and with nature and with animals. And that's, that's part of their magic. That's part of their communion. And the stone is a, is a really... Uh, bridge point into the into the natural world absolutely so just back to the story for a moment because um after seeing witnessing this terrorizing and terrible mm. incident mm. evie and dill run to the coven which their mother has told them to do mm -hmm. uh the coven which is uh, where their aunt lives mm. um and I think you were going to read a part of the story for us, uh, yes. which occurs at this, at this point. Yes, absolutely. I will, I will read to you. The wind moaned as we made towards the ridge. My legs ached from the climb and from the running. Fear makes you faster. Dill ran on with spring, showing her all there was to see under the great sky. Two pups now weighed my skirt. We had to make the coven by nightfall. It would be better then. Better for all. We climbed on and up, heads down, and made for a brace of trees tilted by the wind. 
still hot that last to claim her perch and crow to the land below. She stopped and shouted back to me, her words blown away. Not far, I told you. But Dill only shook her head and shouted again. Sighing, I climbed to her side where the wind came rushing. And then I saw what she saw. They were across the valley, galloping fast. I pulled Dill low. Flint stones moved at my fingers. I counted them out. Meekin from town, Cooper from across the valley, Tom, a wicked lad. One burly broke mother's arm, one thin who pissed upon her, one younger who smashed her skull. They have a leader, a tall one. I marked his black hat, proud of his pack. It's them, ain't it, Evie? If that beast howls, we are got. She don't howl, Dill stroked the wind through spring's fur. Do you? Evie is a silly sister to think so. Yes, she is. Do you think of nothing but that stupid pup? Dill only stared ahead. That may be crosser. These men killed mother. I knows it, Evie. If you're not whispering to a dog, it's that stupid stone. It's not stupid. It's mother's, and I promise... I grabbed her. Look at me, will you? Leave me be. Sudden, the birds cried through our quarrel, swooped out above the ridge. It was a hawk, lifting, searching. The riders looked up to this hunter as it dropped to the valley. Get lower, Dill. Pebbles slipped under our feet. We all watched that lord of the air as he frowned upon us. What is it, Evie? You know the birds. Goshawk. See? His pale crown. Ah, he's beautiful. That he was, as he furled the cloak of his speckled wings and flew as an arrow straight and silent to the land, where a rabbit broke and leapt this way and that, jumping, jumping, jumping. In a plunge of wings and beak and talons, the hawk struck. If there was a last cry, it was lost on the wind. Like that rabbit, he lifted away up into the white sky. And as we watched from high and below, the hunter, the hunted, I felt a pull in my heart, a song for my tender prey. Mark me, tall one, I think you are the hawk. Nay, you are the rabbit, spied from far above. Run quick, tall one, run ahead and see. Think your beak is sharp, my love. Nay, tall one, not as sharp as me. And like the hawk, I watched him as he raised to rally his pack. They kicked on, one behind the other, like black ants across the earth. So I opened my fingers and I squashed them tight in my sight. Just listening to you read there, I'm getting a bit of what I think is Wiltshire twang coming mm. through. Mm. So I was interested to explore um, the diction and the way in which the book is written and how you found this voice for Evie. Mm. Um, was it inspired by the place that you live or history or a bit of both? How did you kind of come to settle into that style? I think it was, you know, I, I live in, you know, I live in Bath. I, you know, I work in Bristol. I'm surrounded by that lovely accent. Um, and it was very important to me to, because this is where I, you know, walk and think and, you know, where I raise my children, so where we settled. And it's very important to be surrounded by that and immerse myself in that for the purposes of the book so that the reader can get as close to the things that I'm, thinking and seeing and feeling um all the kind of senses that you want to play so that it's just felt right really that that it would be you know the kind of somerset um feeling and um and an and, and accent um and i guess also i wanted it to be you know yes she speaks in a certain way because i wanted her to be something that a reader would would find they'd be closer to her in that sense that that she has a certain way of, of speaking and that by following her kind of the strangeness that it would 
you, you're, you're more drawn into her. Hmm. Some of the grammar is a very, or, or her s- syntax, her sentence structure mm. uh, is unusual by modern standards. Yes. Did you have to impose rules on yourself to make sure that you were consistent in the way that you wrote that? Or did you just rely on your intuition? I think a bit of both. I mean, it's certainly it's a stylistic choice, right, that you're going in that way. And it can be, in one sense, you think, well, you could get yourself into tight corners quite quickly with it. Um, so I experimented um, and, you know, I also read sort of listen to, you know, folk music and listen to, you know, all those sorts of things and read of poetry. And but also I was very determined about everything that I've just said about wanting to be infused through her perception of the world. So um, it was a balance, really, which is also about the act of writing to make something immersive and close um, so that you are in the character, you know, on their shoulder, um, but also at the same time being clear. Um, so not being too, you know, arcane, being too over the top. And, it, and I also recognise, you know, that it's the nature of the way that it's written, which is important to me in terms of the way that it brings you into that character, is a Marmite thing. You know, I, I know that in a sense that's it's not for everybody, but it, it, it for me, was about, about character. And if if it brought you closer to her, then, then all for the better, really, because it was about eventually you're going to be feeling what she feels. Mm-hmm. Evie's full name, if you like, they call her Evelyn of the Birds, and birds yes. feature very strongly. And I felt in more than just a natural way, mm. I could feel the symbolism of the birds. Mm. Um, and at different points in the story, I mean, we have a heron, the crow mm. becomes very important. We've got the swifts at the end of the story there. Mm. Um, were you aware of bird symbolism as you were writing? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the thing about birds, that, they're, that we're endlessly fascinated by them. Um, you know, they have this prehistoric nature and they're part of myth and legend. You know, it's Odin's ravens and the way that the magpies portrayed through history and the way that crows are important about, you know, the mess, either messengers of harbingers of, of doom, depending on what you're reading or, or um, for their wisdom and their cleverness. And it's, it's so fascinating how we attach story to birds, but I think also we're fascinated by them. They fly, you know, humans, if you ask anybody what kind of their top three wishes, it's probably on that list is to, is the ability to fly. And I think that we project into birds, you know, that when we look at them, um, with are thinking, God, how do they see the land? And that was part of it, really. Um, and I, as I say, I wrote a lot of kind of backstory about the witching way. And it was part of importance that witches, are, when they get to a certain age, they are named. Um, and that certainly happens to Evie and it hasn't happened to Dill yet. And there's a sequence in the book where that you find out why, she, how she's named the way that she is. And it's also about magic, I think, because it's about, um, you know, we project on animals, I think, you know, in the sense that, you know, why do we love cats and dogs? You know, we, we give them emotion that perhaps isn't necessarily there, but also there's a cleverness, there's a steeliness to animals. They have to survive. Mm. You've talked about um, witches being given their names at a certain point in their journey, in their life, like a rights of a rites of passage really mm, mm. um and i'm sitting here with a copy of diana perkis's the witch in history 
mm. on my desk. Yes. I wondered if you'd have to, it, it feels well researched without the research weighing heavily mm. in the mm. story. So did you read around the topic of witches in the 17th century? Yes. If anything kind of, you know, unavoidably makes rather gruesome reading, you know, you're suddenly confronted by the reality of, of, of what happened. I mean, it, it, the, the witch hunts burst through again in the 1640s as a result, as you've mentioned, about um, with Matthew Hopkins kind of and his, and his pomp. But witch hunts have been going on, you know, for centuries. And if anything, they were starting to kind of die away from something what my reading would be telling me. And the civil war was this great kind of coming together of stress and strife and blame and persecution. Um, and, you know, witches or strange women, people that, or people that just didn't seem right, were the first to blame. And certainly that, that combined with an opportunist like Matthew Hopkins, we don't really even have a sense of what his real motivations, motivations were, but he was there, you know, and suddenly over the course of a year, well over 100 people had lost their lives as a result of the witch trials. I wanted to ask you about one point uh, to do with this, and this is the idea in, in one of your trials that it's witches accusing witches and witches being used um, supposedly to help the civil war and being called mm. on to do that is that part of your fiction or or did you find evidence of that in your research too no it was a really a play on some of the persecution that i there's the, obviously that we know the story that um james the first you know was very terrified of you know written books on witches and and it's part of the conflation with of witches with popery and um I took that story in terms of um, the fact that witches were being used against the king and thought, well, it actually be quite nice to play on it. And what if it actually was the case, was, was true, and make my own particular twist on it. And also about the kind of hypocrisy of a certain type of, you know, man that was using it to his own ends, really. Um, and that's what was going on. And people being double-crossed and people using each other and, and trying to build in a bit of story that, you know, this is a story then, but it's about these things still go on. I wanted to ask what element of this was uh, to do with class as well, because you have another character yes. in your story who is the daughter mm. of one of the landed gentry or nobility. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we need a bit of an introduction to her first. <laughs> sure. Um, so Anne Whitaker is um, a character that Evie encounters when she's she's on the path to you know to, off to to find town to find to find the people that have murdered her mother and as she's on this path she's encounters in fact one of the pack um and doesn't really know that it's he's him at the beginning of that um and there's a struggle and Anne is somebody that she encounters that kind of gets caught up in this struggle and defends evie uh, you know, fights for her, which is gobsmacking to Evie, who event initially thinks to kind of use the opportunity to race away and then sees that the man is turning on this fine lady, you know, that who's very striking. And it, and it goes from there. You know, there's kind of, they throw in their lot together. And again, without wanting to give too many spoilers away, but there are two things that are going on with Evie and, and, and Anne. That she's somebody that, because she's older and she's different, that Evie's completely, um, you know, kind of taken by her. She's never encountered anybody like this before. And a way of also to get Evie talking, to get her emotionally responding to somebody else. 
and there was also a bit of you know me playing fast and loose you know kind of fantasy element to this too i'm quite well aware that you know that noble women and somebody of evie's class they wouldn't necessarily readily mix um but i thought well so what I actually like this coming together of somebody two people from different sides of the tracks you know we kind of have that that trope of prince and the pauper that we you know we kind of remember as kids and i always like that story that kind of coming together of two people that you wouldn't necessarily meet it's a complete kind of fantastical situation but that they would share things differences and also find commonalities and there are you know they they realize there are lots of commonalities there and i yeah i, I just like that collision of it really um that it enabled them to to both bounce off each other and learn from each other mm-hmm. and become but- friends you know that friendship is one of the highlights uh, for me of the book. There are many of them, but I love the kind of warmth uh, between them. And, oh, uh, that's so good to hear. Thank you. beautiful relationship. As indeed is her, although it's a, more of a struggle with her sister, there's a, yeah. real, there's a real depth uh, to that relationship too. Um, Can I ask you, when you were writing this, was there anything that you put into your writing that was there just to please and delight yourself i think um faye is kind of uh the little girl faye peter's daughter when they get to this meet this family and they're kind of they're in in hiding really in sanctuaries so it's anne's cousin and again this kind of fascination from evie she's not seen anybody not seen a house like this not been in a home like this and she gets close to a little girl faye who's four something like that has all blonde curls and smiles and, and is talking 10 to the dozen and full of play. And, you know, she's very strongly based on my experiences of being a dad to, to my daughter mm. um, and the sense of responsibility and excitement, wanting to protect your daughter and, and tickle them and have fun with them and the responsibility and the love. I think that was the thing. I wanted to get that into those scenes. And so she is, yeah, I don't think I could have written those scenes without being a, you know, being a dad myself, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just like to say for listeners that those scenes have a lovely lightness to them, much needed in a story yes. that has lots of darkness in there too. <laughs> yeah. um, I was struck by some of the wonderful illustrations uh, mm. in the book. There's, there's a beautiful horse, the birds mm. are gorgeous. And I was looking for the name of the illustrator and <laughs> couldn't find it. Yeah, so I illustrated the, the books and uh, the, the drawings in the book and it was just something that came naturally. I've always drawn and I, in my mind's eye when we were first talking about the book with Zephyr, my publisher, and, and I was saying how I, I'd always had this thing about, you know, the kind of charcoal drawings and I always loved sketching, you know, as a, as a kid and growing up. And I wanted, I think the charcoal drawings had, I wanted them to to have both kind of movement and a sense of magic about them, the kind of trying to get as much, um, yeah, that kind of a, a strong intensity, a strong feeling into them, almost really from how Evie might see these things, mm. you know, that she's, her whole perception of nature is so vigorous, and so, so coloured by this sense of magic um, that, that I wanted to get that in some way into the illustrations and get that kind of, yeah, that strength and that was, that was the that was the point of it. So it was, it was a really good thing to do, and also to to see if I was imagine Evie looking at a horse as that 
that particular moment where that horse towers over her to give him a kind of a vibration about that drawing and that was the that was the point of it almost like these mm. drawings were something that how he sees the world there's another opportunity to get you closer to the character really. mm. it's it's uh they're fabulous and i have to say from a reader's point of view the other thing that they do is that they give you some reflective space before you mm. move on to the next chapter so in terms of pacing your reading yeah i think they also serve that function too that's very true and uh, it's a pause to sort of draw your thoughts in before you move on it i think what's this thing about really wanting to make this book as beautiful as we could make it too because that's the natural world that's you know to try and reflect those things you know it is dark i do recognize that and because dark things happen in the world but to give it that balance to give it Mm. that sense of beauty and light and that that was really important to me the book is not ultimately about darkness it's about hope and and love yeah Uh, as we can see through the nature that comes through and you've used the word balance there and I think I'm going to leave our conversation thinking about that word because not only have you used it in relation to thinking about nature but it the the book itself is about restoring Mm. some personal balance in your life as well isn't it it's a word that you use quite a lot in the writing yes and it's you know whether it's you know there's a wrong that's occurred and very important to for Evie as part of her kind of her witching way that that's what she seeks to do to to right a wrong but it's also about her finding balance in herself and to being at, at peace with herself and peace with her with her sister so ultimately it is, it is about all of those things it's about how you how you grow up mm-hmm. Finbar it's just been such a pleasure talking to you about which Thank you so much for giving us some insights into your writing today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to In the Reading Corner with Just Imagine. If you have enjoyed this podcast, you can find many more on the podcast section of our website, justimagine.co.uk, plus via iTunes or SoundCloud or your usual podcast provider. Don't forget to pass the pod and recommend this fantastic free resource to your friends and colleagues.